You're listening to Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation. Hello, I'm Jackie Edwards. Welcome to the Working Together for Working Families podcast, where we come together to highlight individuals and organizations working to help whole families reach their goals. I'm Rochelle Todd Yamoa. Join us today as we speak with Leslie Perkle. She's the president and CEO of the William J. and Dorothy K. O'Neill Foundation, headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. Prior to joining the O'Neill Foundation, Leslie was the vice president of the Sisters of Charity Foundation of Cleveland, where she led the program team in developing targeted outcomes-based approaches for its grant-making and non-grant-making activities. Leslie holds a master's degree from the Maxine Goodman Levin College of Urban Affairs at Cleveland State University and a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology from Indiana University. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me. We also welcome Marjorie Sims, Managing Director of Ascend at Aspen Institute in Washington, D.C. Marjorie has more than 20 years of experience in advancing the status of women and families at the local, state, national, and international levels. She formerly served as program officer at the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with a specific focus on family economic security programs and managed a $65 million grant portfolio. Marjorie earned a master's degree in political science at California State University, Dominguez Hills. Welcome, Marjorie. Thank you for having me. Okay. Marjorie, can you briefly describe how working across generations or rather addressing the needs of whole families became a primary focal point in the social work sector and why is that important? Supporting the entire family actually is a concept that's inherent in indigenous communities here in the U.S. and around the globe. And early in the um, evolution of human services, particularly around the settlement house movement of the late 1800s, supporting the entire family when there were immigrant families moving into the United States, that was the strategy that was used supporting both children, the youth in the family, as well as the parents for better outcomes for the entire family. Over the years, as we've grown, you know, in knowledge and sophistication, some of the strategies have become very siloed. But in the late 1990s, we developed this concept of a two-generation approach, meaning that you support the children as well as the parents at the same time for better and stronger outcomes. And there's a lot of research over the last 30 years demonstrating that when you do support the entire family, you have better outcomes for children, their parents, and this is across generations. So the concept really is something that's intuitive and inherent in Indigenous communities. Thank you, Marjorie, for the background there. That was that was really helpful. And the the next question is for either of you. So um, feel free to, to jump in. The whole family model was intended to create a change in the system of how families could develop goals for themselves and to frankly reach those goals. Can you, both of you or one of you, share some examples of where you have seen this approach really affect the system of change, whether that was um, at an organizational level, whether that was within community, or even at the policy level? 
So maybe I'll I'll start by talking about some of the work that the O'Neill family or the O'Neill Foundation has uh, funded and partnered with in communities since our strategy of whole family approaches really began. And we really have seen a change in system using a smaller, so not the big policy systems, but more at the organizational level and somewhat at the community level. So, for example, at an organizational level, maybe having a large social service agency that offers a health clinic, an early childhood uh, program, a workforce training program, and other services being very siloed before approaching this work much more intentionally. So there were times where a family coming in for early learning, the parents would be in need of further job training, and they would be referred outside their own agency. They weren't even referring within their own agency because they were so used to their own networks. So really breaking down the system of how families came into their large organization and got connected wherever uh, wherever they needed. We've also seen approaches where a system like a healthcare system working pediatric clinics, let's say, starting to address the, um, the social determinants of health of the whole family. So when uh, mom brings in the uh, youngster for their well checkup visits, noticing that the parent seems a little engaged or distracted, starting to ask questions about other things that were happening in the household, and then connecting families with other services, some even co-located within those healthcare facilities, some with community partners, and really starting to see a system of support built around an individual family. Um, but knowing that every family has different needs, really trying to create systems of partnership and support to address the family's needs, whatever they might be. I really love all of the specific examples that Leslie just gave, and they really encompass, you know, one of the five core principles of taking a two-generation or a whole family approach, and that's engage the voices of families, first and foremost, as experts in their own lives and understanding the realities and experiences they face when navigating both public programs as well as community-based programs. So making certain that you are engaging parents and their voices in the design, implementation, and assessment of programs and policies is really important. And what Leslie shared are those very specific examples of how change is made based on that information that you're receiving. And I, I'd like to add to that, too, There, in some of the large systems, so I talked a little bit about health systems, but also, let's say, a, a community college system where, you know, they're programmed to address the adults, but not recognizing or a job training program, right? So they've got their clients, if you will, our students, our adults coming into job training, coming into community college. Most, not always, but many times that adult is ahead of a household and has has children and the um, educators or the administrators of community college or a workforce training program might not take into account those other aspects of the student's life that need to be paid attention to and recognizing that it's difficult for a student to pay attention to their studies or workforce goals when they're worried about their child's education or do they have access to childcare or do they have a place to um, 
you know, can how can they be a support to their child as they're also furthering their own education? So that's another aspect of kind of a system that looks at beyond its traditional borders. And uh, one of our projects, for example, that we've been uh, funding is a community college that is not necessarily working with parents of young children, but they're actually working with parents of young adults themselves. So the sort of 16 to 24 year olds who have also been at high risk or already dropped out of school, continuing the generational where the parent doesn't had, didn't complete high school. Now their child is in danger of not completing high school and engaging both of them together to obtain high school diplomas and a credential workforce. So they go through it together. And many times that young adult child is also a parent. And now looking at one further generation, so you're looking at three generations now of trying to engage them with quality early learning. So it's just a wonderful way to see in action this sort of generational approach that if a system like a community college system can say, wow, we have these great programs for adults, but they've also got families that we should also maybe think about how to pay attention to. Thank you both for contributing to that. Marjorie, did you did you want to add something else to that? The one thing that I would add is the importance of gathering data and knowing um, who is participating in these programs. As Leslie was sharing that in community colleges, it's really important to know the demographic data of the students that are participating. But oftentimes what you find is in community colleges, as well as other workforce development programs, they're not aware of how many of their students are parents. And it's really important to um, know the percentage of students who are parents so you can, as Leslie was sharing, you know, design the appropriate strategies and supports that are aligned with the goals of retention and advancement and completion of those programs. That's great. Yeah. And that's that's so relevant and really useful to have when you're, um, you know, implementing some of these programs. So. Both of you have, both of your organizations rather, have contributed to this work um, in terms of allocating resources and time and really have shown how um, you really support this work. So, and Leslie, for you, as a, you know, sort of smaller family foundation, can you tell us about why you decided to support this work and really what it means to the communities you serve? Sure. So the O'Neill, William J. and Dorothy K. O'Neill Foundation is a family foundation that works together across multiple family branches and generations in different geographies. And the foundation was started in 1987 by Dorothy O'Neill and her son, William uh, O'Neill, but the, the named after Dorothy and William, the parents. And Mr. This is in 1987. And Mr. Bill O'Neill, who started the foundation with his mother, Early, so it started in 87. By the early 90s, um, Mr. O'Neill felt that it was important for the foundation to have a targeted strategy to have greater impact with their limited resources because they started off fairly small. We've, we've grown in size, but started back in the late 80s, early 90s at a much smaller level. And so he recruited, uh, he, he um, worked with about a dozen of his family members representing three generations. So right from the beginning, there were multiple generations involved with the work to come together to find sort of a strategic focus area that they could agree on and what, uh, how they wanted to direct a strategic portion of their resources. And the family came together 
and they selected the theme of family, both because it resonated with the different family members, because they themselves were multi-generational family working together in their philanthropy, and because of the fundamental belief that family really was the, um, the basis for, for, you know, one of the most important institutions in, in life is a family at an at a you know, local, international, national level. So they went about very intentionally in 1994 hosting a symposium, invited researchers who were doing work on uh, different aspects of family to find out what were some of the core root causes of um, challenges in society and how the family might have impacted uh, both positive and negatively to those uh, strengthening families or in some cases the breakdown of the family. And um, they published actually a paper or a book of those papers called Family, the First Imperative. And I just, I was reading through it in preparation for this. And they, um, Mr. O'Neill had quoted in this, in this book that throughout the world, family is the oldest, most fundamental, most enduring, and most important of all human institutions. And I think it was with that belief that um, the O'Neill Foundation has carried on its work for 30 plus years to support families uh, to, to strengthen families in their communities. So fast forward to 2017, the foundation went through what we called a strategic plan refresh. And after you know 30 years of grant making in various ways and different kinds of programs, really wanted to further uh, strengthen the family strengthening work. And that's when we came across the two-gen approach and a partnership with um, Ascend at the Aspen Institute and really liked that framework that it gave us with the five guiding principles to um, strengthen approaches to working with families. Thanks, Leslie. That's that's really a long time that you guys have been engaged in this work and, um, and it's really paid off. With the recent pandemic, many families have um, digressed and where they were making some gains, you know, jobs were lost, kids were at home, families were teaching their kids at home where they had never expected that they would be doing this. Um, People were unable to keep up with their rent and mortgage. Uh, Considering we're in the middle of still experiencing some of this, these things during this difficult time, where do you think... Um, the two-gen whole family um, model is headed. And I'll ask you, uh, I will put this question to you, Marjorie, with all of this going on, you know, with the pandemic and, you know, where do you think the two-gen model is headed with regard to that? Thank you for that question. And I believe that the two-generation approach is not only going to um, get stronger and deeper, it is necessary. So Ascend at the Aspen Institute actually was founded by Ann Mosley right after the Great Recession. So we're a little over 10 years old, right? And mm-hmm. if you recall back then, many families had lost their financial stability because of the Great Recession. So So out of that came this emphasis on how do you support the entire family? Because what we knew at that time, the systems were broken. Fast forward, you know, 10 years, here we are in the midst of a pandemic and more now than ever, we realize that systems, you know, remain siloed and they're not supportive of the entire family. We know also that, you know, when you uh, arrange and align these systems in a way that 
they support the entire family, you have greater effectiveness as well as efficiency. So that's important to know that, you know, that systems alignment and structure and listening to the voices of families only gets better outcomes for our precious, you know, resources, whether they be time or financial resources. So I think that the two-generation approach or whole family approach, the multi-generation approach, whatever the name is for supporting the entire family will not only get deeper and stronger, it will continue this momentum that we've seen over the last 10 years. Sure. So um, Leslie talked about philanthropy and how they're supporting it. Marjorie, what do you think the role of philanthropy is with regard to the whole family approach and where we are? Without philanthropy, I doubt that we would see the momentum around the two-generation approach. It takes innovative, you know, thoughtful um, philanthropies like the O'Neill Family Foundation to provide that fuel and inspiration to community-based organizations to do this work. And across the country, those national foundations, family foundations, community foundations, individual funders have really provided that um, flexible resources and funding to um, community-based programs to um, drive the two-generation or whole family approach for effective outcomes. We happen to um, be, you know, and a position where we can work with those leaders and those innovators that really focus on change for families, you know, those that are within the Ascend Network truly are focused on stronger and better outcomes for families. And, you know, philanthropic resources have been the driver behind that. And, you know, fortunately for us, we see that, you know, the public sector is able to follow you know, based on what private philanthropy is doing, they see these models and they see them working and then they're able to step up and make, you know, stronger and deeper investments. That's great. I know at the Pascal Sykes Foundation, when we're working with our um, grantees and, you know, we talk to them about sustainability. um, So I'm just wondering what would either one of you say to a room of, of full of fellow donors and funders, what would you say to convince them to invest their resources in in working with whole families? Either one of you can start. I'll let you guys jump in. Uh, Sure. So maybe I could start. I think that the, um, you know, I think Marjorie hit on a couple things, just that the important role of philanthropy has always been to fund innovation and test new ideas. So that's sort of a longstanding role. But I think philanthropy itself is coming into a new place of recognition around power dynamics, um, attempting to break down some of those, the um, really with some deep listening, more authentic engagement with not only the organizations that are on the front lines of leading working communities, but also with families themselves. And I feel that the um, of all the five principles that Ascend um, has really developed in, in response to or in developing a two-gen approach, the engaging and listening to the voices of parents is such a powerful tool. Uh, we hear a lot from even our grantee organizations and those we partner with who said, you know, we 
it's a lot different when we ask a family or really understand what they're mm-hmm. going through and trying to access our services than when we design them on ourselves. And then we just say, oh, well, let's do a, a family satisfaction survey. We scored pretty well. They gave us nine out of 10. Aren't we great? Versus let's have a family at the table deciding, you know, they're really the experts in an authentic way, in a respectful way, and, and really engaging. And I think that where the field of philanthropy is headed That's just a very good organizing framework for really engaging authentically the voices of those that are being impacted by programs and services. Um, So I think that's a great place for philanthropy. This is a nice, a nice framework in which to do that work. And then I think the other part is just the outcomes. I mean, the research, we know so much more. I think back to when the O'Neill family gathered in 1994, what we've learned about brain Uh, brain research and what happens and how little brains develop, but also where there's brain changes in adolescence and when you become a parent and taking advantage of this new research and really trying to design programs around that so that we can stop this multi-generational repeat of uh, challenging times for families. Marjorie, did you want to add to that? Yeah, what I would add is that for philanthropy, and it serves a unique space, as Leslie was um, uh, sharing, that it's both the innovation, but also the ability to convene, um, making certain that you're bringing together the right partners uh, to do this work, because not one organization can do it alone. That's mm-hmm. really important. But we're all called in this moment of time to be really strong stewards of philanthropic resources, you know, public sector resources, um, you know, individual resources, time resources. And so for more effective outcomes, supporting the entire family is proven to be really successful. It's not easy, right? And you have to Mm -hmm. have patient capital as well. Um, Know that over the long term, we're trying to um, change structures and systems that have been generations in the making, but this will have generational positive outcomes for families in a way that, you know, working in a siloed fashion has never done before. That's great. Um, I I just want to be able to go back um, on something that I've been hearing, and I, I'd like to hear more about it. I know we're kind of closing out, but Marjorie, I know at Ascend, and I've heard you mention oftentimes about the, families, the family voice. What are some ways of hearing the family voice without just doing, as Leslie said, a survey? Like, can you share, sure. you know, like share a little on that? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the core components of doing a two-generation approach is um, building social capital, right? And that is allowing, you know, families to um, both build their informal as well as formal um, networks themselves in a way that's sustaining and builds community. But, you know, engaging the voices of families is something that the nonprofit sector has not done enough of. But in the private sector, businesses Mm -hmm. do this all the time. It's Mm -hmm. called human-centered design, right? You would not develop a product without asking the ultimate consumer about that product testing it with that consumer. And that's what we're trying to do in the, you know, nonprofit sector or the philanthropic sector. When we say engage the voices of families or parents, that means ask them, 
ask them what their experiences are. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, it can be what's called journey mapping, right? Mm -hmm. As an organization, you ask a family, okay, so this is, you know, um, our intake process. What does that look like for you if we're asking you about, you know, your family, you know, how many times have asked, have we asked about that information? Are we asking the right information? What other questions might we ask you? And so that you can really see the family's experience of a nonprofit organization or community strategy from their perspective. That's mm-hmm. really important. And I can't tell you how many times in a week I hear from, you know, our network partners or others that, you know, their, you know, work is so illuminated because they're asking those deliberate and intentional questions. And if they did not ask those questions, they would be structuring, you know, programs, as Leslie said, without that input, that would not have that same design that helps families be in a better place otherwise. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to mention one other thing related to that of of engaging family. We fund in the Big Island of Hawaii, and they have a concept in Hawaii called Talk Story, which is really this relational building, talking story, talking about who you are from an authentic place. And we've noticed the um, when we bring our partners together and we learn from each other about how different organizations are engaging families that is the one that stops everybody in their tracks. It's like, what a beautiful concept of mm-hmm. talking story mm-hmm. and really getting to authentically know somebody, what drives them, their hopes, their dreams, and designing around that and serving families in that way. And it's something we wish we could bottle up. And, and it's an indigenous, you know, longtime yeah. tradition of folklore. It's not in every culture. It's, I think, a uniquely, I don't know if it's uniquely Hawaiian, but I've heard about it the most in, in Hawaii. And I just think it's something that we really want to pay attention to as we move forward with this yeah. work, because it's, to my, in my mind, been one of the most authentic ways of engaging family. Absolutely. That's really I would, nice. I would just add that, you know, all of this work has to be culturally appropriate um, for the communities. And what Leslie just shared is that, you know, uniquely in Hawaii, there's a way in which you engage in um, the voices of families that is inherent in their communities. And that has to be reflected in all communities. We at Ascend use the term a two-generation approach, but as I alluded to earlier, it's called many different things across the country because that is what resonates in those communities, whether it be called intergenerational approach or multi-generation, whole family. In Hawaii, it's called a Hananui, right? It has to be reflective of what that community holds close and dear. And the only way you get that information is by asking people again. Well, thank you both for joining us for this episode titled Funding What Work, How Donors Can Invest in Whole Family Programs. We really enjoyed hearing about your long-term commitment to this work. If you would like to learn more about Ascend at the Aspen Institute or the William J. and Dorothy K. Foundation, please click the link in the summary. Please join us next time on Working Together for Working Families when we welcome the Reverend Dr. Daryl Armstrong, 
pastor of Shiloh Baptist Church in Trenton, New Jersey, along with a panel of interfaith leaders as we discuss faith and family. Until next time. Working Together for Working Families, sponsored by the Pascal Sykes Foundation, is published monthly. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about the Whole Family Approach, visit our website, wholefamilyapproach.org.